we're in the midst of, I'd say, the greatest resurgence in the most archaic fraud in history, check fraud. Checks were supposed to die, and check fraud was supposed to die with it. And we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and for 30 years we waited for checks to die, but they never did. And the fraud technology that we implemented in 1993, the rules, the parameters, aged, and the processes aged, and everything that we had done about check fraud was stuck in time. But in 2020, something changed, and it all started with a key, an arrow key. So arrow key, if you don't know what it is, is a small key that postal inspectors carry around. It can open up every box, mailbox or blue box in a zip code or a city or apartment complex, and inside those mailboxes are treasure troves of checks. So in 2020, those, those arrow keys started to become stolen. And by 2021, there was a 300% increase in armed robberies of mail carriers for those postal keys, and they were all after one thing, and that was checks. In 2021, the scheme exploded. We started to see check fraud increase, and by 2021, check fraud had doubled. It doubled again in 2022, and this year, projections are could be as high as 24 billion. To give you a, some context into that, Zell fraud, if we look at the recent figures, is about 500 million. This is a problem that's 50 times larger the problem, the size of of Zell. But check fraud gets no respect. So how do we get here and what can we do going forward? We've got a great panel and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Why don't you start? Yes. Hi. So my name is Karen Boyer. Um, check fraud is my passion among many other types of fraud. Um, so I am SVP of fraud prevention and detection at m and Bank, but I also am on a few working groups and advisory boards. So um, ABA fraud advisory board. I am the co-chair for FDX initiative. I feel like I should shout that out for fintechs, you know, and um, as well as the BPI steering committee and also the co-chair at the cyber fraud industry uh, financial group for the IAFCI. I, I didn't plan how many initials I was going to say, so sorry about that. But um, I um, also did plan to match uh, Blair with my pants, so I just wanted to let you know. Well worked out pretty well, I think. Um, but yeah, so Blair, please go ahead. Hi there. I can almost dress as well as you, but I don't have nearly as many acronyms following my name. So my name is Blair Cohen. I'm the founder, president of Authentic ID. Authentic ID is a next generation identity company. So not really a mail fraud company, but we'll show you how it intersects. Great. So let's, um, Karen, um, let me ask you first. You've been a teller all the way up to an SVP. You've seen check fraud over many years. Why I've seen some so things, yes. <laughs> Why is it so challenging for banks? to stop check fraud? Um, I'm going to really target that to now, to 2021 um, and now. So uh, historically, as Frank mentioned, um, check fraud technology was really focused on um, detecting counterfeits, if you will. And there's two facets to check fraud. There's the deposit side, and then there's the in-clearing side. So as a bank, you have to have fraud mitigation uh, software and techniques on both sides. 
So again, historically, everything was really ultimately focused on does this check match all the other checks that have been clearing or have cleared historically, and easy peasy, we'll, we'll stop all fraud, right? Now, with the mail theft, as Frank was uh, referencing, it's been around for quite a few years, but it used to be just very kind of boots on the ground, random kids just want to uh, get a, a uh, coat hanger, straighten it out, put some tape on the bottom, and get through the blue mailboxes and pick out like what they can. But in 2021, as uh, Frank alluded, there's been a substantial scaling on check fraud because they realized why just go one by one by mailbox when I could rob a a full mail truck. So unfortunate. But then as this becomes publicized, it becomes more lucrative. The other issue is that we historically on the fraud side have always been thought of that, oh, our fraud uh, threats and threat actors are really focused on dark net activity and they're hackers and you need to download Tor and you have to uh, get into the Russian forums and that's the only way people could attack us. Right now we're actually fighting more and so that it's the public sector. We have Telegram, we have Twitter, we have Facebook. There's still the dark net. We have the card shops that are turning into check shops, but you also have just the public um, bare bones, if you will, social media that this is proliferating and they're getting extremely brazen because financial crime does less time and we're not really getting prosecuted to the full extent. Now, with that said, kind of rounding it back to why check fraud is the big issue today and back to that counterfeit detection, the problem is that right now we can't necessarily detect counterfeits because these are legitimate checks. And so on the in-clearing side, for example, like Frank, you wrote me a check for $100, um, well, we'll say a thousand. And thank you for the way. And when you did that, it's going to clear your account for a thousand dollars. And so you don't know anything's fraud. I see that that's your normal check. You pay me all the time. Thanks. And, but at that time, it's only until I'm like, Frank, where's my monthly thousand dollars? And it could be like six months later before you realize that actually Blair deposited that check typical Blair. But on that note, so, so it's just, it's a technology issue to an extent, but because you have to look at the behavioral analytics to it, you can't just look at check stock anymore because the checks that are actually proliferating are legitimate checks. They're washed, um, well, used to be washed, excuse me, now they're cooked, so they're professionally photoshopped, altered with the tiniest extent, but everything looks to be that legitimate check. So, Karen, I just let me ask you one thing there. I go on Telegram and I see these Telegram channels with thousands and thousands of checks with the micro lines scratched out. How are they mailing these checks to people when they buy them or what are they doing? Is it? Yes. So uh, the micro lines blocked because they don't want anybody to capitalize it without buying it, right? So I buy it and then they'll buy, they'll send me that chunk of mail and then I'm, um, it's up to me what I want to do with it. So I could either then just be a broker and I could send like their, their purses and biz uh, packages. And if I buy 300 checks, then I could then either sell those or just kind of proliferate the fraud, excuse me, and um, create my own kind of mule or even synthetic um, network of runners and walkers to actually monetize that type of data. Can they actually just submit a picture of a check? and use that? Thank you for asking, Frank, yes. So um, that's actually part of the problem as well. So I mean, it's branch, ATM, and mobile. And here we are at FinTech Nexus. And so I 
appreciate technology, so please don't get me wrong. But for everything that we make easier for consumers, obviously that's easier for the fraudsters. So mobile deposit is really something that has been the channel that is really proliferating this type of fraud for that stolen check. Because, for example, I'm a, I, I run a mule network. Um, I used uh, Steve Synthetics. He doesn't think anybody knows about him. But, um, so he's, I'm running his mule network. And... With that said, I have one stolen check for, we'll say, $10,000, and I have either my romance scam victims that I control over their profiles or I do it myself for first party. I deposit that check 15 times within 15 minutes. From there, now I scan that check, I alter it just ever so much, and I do that again and I do that again. So... I don't think it's too brazen to say that. I think at this point now, there's more fraudulent checks that are actually so, uh, socialized or uh, throughout the network than actually legitimate checks. Because in that example, you could have one check that's legitimate, but scaled exponentially to probably 30 to 45, you know, whatever type of uh, deposits uh, that are all fraudulent. And it's up to the banks to kind of fight the bank of first deposit who's going to take the liability. Wow, that's crazy. Blair, um, let me ask you about the origination side. I think it's a side that doesn't get enough attention with check fraud. We look at it as very transactional, but talk about, can you talk a little bit about originations and how that can help stop check fraud? Well, clearly, we're, we're not doing a great job on the origination side. I was had the pleasure of sitting in Marianne Miller's presentation yesterday, and she presented a stat that was astounding to me. Uh, as many as 70% of new accounts that have been opened up are synthetic accounts. So it's not, not a real person. And that allows this crime to proliferate. So we've got to do a lot better job on the origination side and make sure that we, we know really who is opening up that account and not let these synthetic identities get through that process. There are tools and techniques that you can use that, that can mitigate this to a great extent. Yeah, that's a good question. But what about the mules, right? The mules aren't, are not necessarily synthetic. They might be just exploiters. Karen, is there any... How do you find a mule? Yes. So that kind of goes back to the behavioral analytics that I was referencing before. Um, and not just behavior, but transactional analytics. And not just on the check side, but using digital signals or even like card signals to detect um, possible mule activity or suspected mule activity. And mules and first party fraud, there's a fine line. They look very similar, um, even on synthetic side, especially for new accounts. So like for example, um, I don't want to give too much secret sauce away, but nonetheless, uh, you open an account, there's a baseline of what normal digital activity would look like on a normal customer. You shouldn't have five to ten devices that now are attaching itself to its profile within 48 hours. You shouldn't have 50 plus logins from uh, seven different ISPs, um, kind of blatant longitude latitude types of scenarios. That's the clear sign that that account is either a synthetic or first party, but nonetheless, it's part of a larger network that somebody else or multiple people have access to that profile and to that account. So one of the things that I would recommend is when you see those activities, most of the time that's going to start before any funding of the account even occurs. Put, a, put like a credits only in the account. I know we all have different terminology, but, but put a debit block 
I, my, I'm a little unconventional. I like trapping the people. I like doing honeypots. I want to see what they're going to do. You know, normal like uh, product teams and everybody else that really care about the metrics and the stats are going to want you to shut it down right away. But I like letting them give me the fraud signals because then you can use those fraud signals to find more that aren't following the pattern that you already been able to identify. I, I love that idea. That's very novel. And you know what? You give me. Um, I was kind of pessimistic on check fraud, but you mentioned something that I think is something every bank can do is create those behavioral models right at account opening and look at the transactional activity. That's, I think that's something that um, we can rely on. So I want to ask you about the solution, right? So what, uh, what can we do? I mean, what are, going forward, what, are, what is working and what is not? Specifically for check fraud, right? Oh, for right check now. fraud. Um, I think that I know some banks do this to an extent with um, like alerting, but I think that we're at a point in our life, in the life cycle of the fraud industry, that we've substantiated the fact that, hey, customers, um, and I know we're all customers, so I apologize again if I sound a little salty, but hey, customers, um, you need to kind of monitor your accounts with us. It can't all be on us and our liability. So similar to like we have a Zelle issue. So now what do we do? We try to like educate, 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 great. But the majority of the time, what we're doing, we have the uh, transactions that give transaction alerts. Is this you? Yes or no? Um, same for cards. That has been there for a couple of years. Like it was, we had card issues up the yin yang to the point that there was mandatory alerts that had to be coming down from financial institutions that allowed every customer to know when there's a card transaction that transpires. I don't think it's out of, I really don't think it's that unfeasible to think that we should do the same for checks. It would be nice if you know. No, like, hey, check one, two, three for thousands clearing your account. Did you write that? Yes or no? Um, it's just there's so many checks that clear an FI that it's infeasible to think, and people do, that there's like a team of people that are looking at every check going by and deciding if this one's real or not. But again, these are real checks, so we need some kind of help in this game. I think that's an interesting proposal. What you're saying is if somebody writes a check, they'd have to validate the payee and the amount through a text. And I think what's interesting is that was done in India when check fraud got out of control. It sounds arcane, I knew but I, was I think genius. it. Uh, yeah. I think it is a way to do two things. Number one, get the customer involved, which I totally agree with, but also to push people away from checks, so that we can move on. I don't think check fraud is ever going to go away until checks go away, and checks are the last kind of piece of the paper puzzle with that that banks are. So I like that idea. I think that's really interesting. I have a question about branch you know what can you do in the branch on cat on check deposits what what is a solution there because I think from what I hear that's a big problem well branch uh, you know identity is key we've got to make sure that the the person cashing the check is really who they say they are and not a synthetic identity there are technologies out there it's very difficult for it's easy for somebody to create a synthetic identity it's super hard for a synthetic to go get a real identity document issued though with the real ID act this is that's a big bar not many people go through that bar so stop it at the origination side let's make sure that no fake accounts get set up let's make sure that the person cashing the check is really who they say they are, not a synthetic or a fake identity. Um, and one other suggestion or thought I have that is probably pie in the sky, but this challenge with the remote deposit checks and the person depositing the same check 30 or 40 different times, if there were sharing amongst the banks and you could see that velocity in real time, we could mitigate that to an extent. 
What about driver's license scanning at the teller window, just being able to check that license and see if it's a counterfeit? Is that, have you heard of anybody doing that? Uh, we, I know of many companies that are doing that. Many, we work with four of the top 10 banks in the, in the country here today. And this is a prolific problem. Most people don't think counterfeit IDs really exist. They're just used for buying alcohol when you're underage. That really isn't the case. Um, I won't share bank stats because those are confidential, but I can share some telecommunications stats from last year. Last year in the telecommunications industry, we detected over 527,000 counterfeit IDs that were being used to go out and purchase hardware. The economic value there was $3.4 billion in savings to the North American telecommunication industry. That's amazing. So it's happening at the banks too. You know, these counterfeit IDs are getting through, but the banks are implementing this technology. It's very proficient detecting the the minute little mistakes that humans can't detect. I mean, a human can't look at these sophisticated documents and, and tell whether they're real or not. So it takes technology. That's right. Hey, Karen, I want to ask you one thing very specifically. I've read like four articles on check fraud in the last month and a half, and every single article is the consumers complaining that they haven't gotten refunded. Can you explain what you think we should do on the back end process with the data, with the collection letters and things like that? Yes, and I should have started this in the beginning that my views are strictly my own personal industry, nothing to do with uh, the bank that I've worked at now or ever, any other bank I've ever worked at. But um, to your point, Frank, there is a consistent, argument's a strong word, but nonetheless, it's, it's really what it is, of the bank of first deposit and the liability versus the, the bank that's depositing the check versus the bank that the check is drawn on and who's going to pay. So historically, what was the issue was, or not the issue, excuse me, but, but historically, if I'm intercepting your check is payable to Frank, I cross my name out, I write Karen on it, then that bank of first deposit should be like, why would you accept a check that's clearly crossed out that's an altered check and that bank of first deposit is liable? Now we're in this game again of the legitimate checks that are being scanned and altered with professional PowerPoint and the bank of first deposit is stating that's not an altered check. It looks like every other check that you clear. That maker signature is the same maker signature. That's not an altered check. It's a counterfeit. Then you have the, depo- the issuing bank that's saying, no, it's not a counterfeit. This is an altered check because it's a check that was based off of a real check that was made and it was altered to change the payee. So that in itself is a problem that the industry is trying to define, fix the collection letters because it could take up to a year or three years if it's an endorsement issue for that money to come back. Now, there's a lot of problem in the industry, though, because historically it wasn't that this big of a scale where if, if you, Frank, have a check for $100, you're writing it for 1000 then, uh, or excuse me, it's $100 it cleared for 1000 You come to the bank, you're like, uh, my $100 check cleared for 1000 I Somebody gave me $900. That bank is saying, well, we have to wait for the bank of first deposit to give us that money, then we'll give it back to you. Horrible, horrible experience, and that's something that we as a banking industry need to fix. We need to give you your $900, make you whole, and then the banks could fight about it in the background. Just like the debit cards, right? You gave your provisional yes. credit. Do you think those checks that are being buried, sending over to the you know, the deep undergrounds of banks that are being handled like clerks should be in the fraud department? Those collection letters Ooh. on altered checks? Is this recorded? Uh, no, we don't say um, Okay. It's close Personal to. opinion. 
Uh, yes. I think that I, I don't want to give myself or any fraud professional more work, but you need, it could be in the adjustments area wherever it is, but nonetheless, you need a professional to understand is this counterfeit or is this is altered? Because if it's counterfeit, it's supposed to be returning within that RDI window, which is that 48 hours. And I'm sure we've all done it, but I know especially a lot of big banks, they try to kind of squeeze in those little, oh, is this a breach of warranty or is this a counterfeit? Um, and if you're just blindly decisioning those items, like you're taking more losses as a bank, but nonetheless, that doesn't help the customer experience that you're waiting a year. It, it, most people need that money because they're not changing the check from 100 to 150. They're changing the check from 100 to 1,000, if you yeah, will. That's a very good point. I think until we solve the consumer piece, it's just going to be a headache for banks. So we are out of time. There's about eight questions here that we're just not going to get to. And uh, so what's that? Let's take a minute. Take a minute. All right. You guys want to do a lightning round? Uh, what percentage of mobile deposited checks cashed out via Zelle versus going to ATM or branch? 15-second answer, if you have it. <laughs> I don't have a percentage, like real percentage. Anecdotally, I would say 85%. They're looking to get it and get it out. How does the scale of the problem differ by commercial versus retail? Um, thank you for asking. Um, it is similar but different because commercial, they have stolen commercial checks, and what they do is actually they open up legitimate businesses with the registration to match the stolen check. So, for example, which uh, there's one that we have, I've seen recently. It was a check for American Express for 140000 The customer actually registered a business as American Express LLC. Um, since that documentation was legitimate, they actually registered the business, paid, paid their articles in corporation, it passed all identity checks, and there was just a, a account that was just waiting for that check to match. Awesome. You got every stat, so I'm going to ask you one more, and then I'm going to answer the last one because I know that one. Uh, what percentage of check fraud is mobile deposit? It's a little similar, but it's... I'm going to stick with my 85%, but I'm going to do with the little asterisks because it, it's back to that scaling of the mobiles. Okay. So, so it's not necessarily that mobile... I mean, it is a riskier channel. It's faceless, but nonetheless, it allows you to basically take pictures off of a screen. You don't have to print the check. You don't have to deposit a check. You just take a picture off of TV screen or I computer screen. Yeah, and I think one telling stat, Ariama did a, a survey of all the major banks, 400... 400% increase in deposit fraud primarily due to remote deposit capture. I think your 85% number is probably pretty good. Uh, the last question was around gel pens. Have you heard of this? Where you can buy a $2 pen if you write your check with the $2 pen. It's impervious to like nail polish remover and it can't be, credit, can't be washed check. That's actually true. And that's something that's been around for 10 years. In fact, like Frank Abagnale used to recommend these pens. They're gel pens. They're $1.50 and they can prevent fraud. The problem is... That's going to be a really tough way to stop check fraud is through gel pens. But it's still, <laughs> it's, it's where we're at, right? I want to thank the panel. I think this is a great, you just, I learned so much uh, doing this. So really thank you very fast. much. Thank you all. And I, I do have one more thing to say. Don't, don't think that because you don't write checks, you won't have check fraud. Because similar to everything else, um, you know, somebody's like, well, I'm never going to uh, enroll. If I don't enroll in online banking, it won't get hacked. If I don't enroll in Zelle, I'll never get scammed. Do it before somebody else does type of scenario. Just always monitor your accounts. That's it. Thank you. That's Sorry. a good advice. advice.